0: Folks, we are doing a series on trust in God this year, trusting in God, and today we're going to discuss a fella named Isaac. It is his turn out of the uh, 11th chapter of Hebrews, Isaac. So if you want to open your Bibles to that verse, you can. Um, Also, we'll be doing some work out of Genesis today. So last Sunday night, a week ago, I had a dream. In this dream, I I was working on my motorcycle, uh, an old motorcycle that I have, and and somehow I got blinded, and I had to live the rest of my life uh, without being able to see. In this case, in my dream, my kids had to put me next to the pond so that I could throw my pole out, and I couldn't move. They had to tell me where to fish, because if I was to walk, I wouldn't be able to see, and I'd drown. Um, My wife, Jess, had to read me commentary because so that I could prepare for my sermon, because uh, they didn't make audio forms of commentary or braille, and not that I knew how to read braille anyway. <clears throat> there was no more shooting firearms for me, sadly, no more uh, riding motorcycles or or driving is one of those uh really real dreams also you know you've you've had these kind of dreams before. When you wake up, uh, you're surprised to know that it wasn't so, it wasn't true. And so when I woke up on, on Monday morning, I, I sat up on my bed and I stared at my boots. And I thought, boy, things are going to be different now. How am I going to live my life without being able to see? And then I realized I was looking at my boots. Whew. I, can, I can see Well, a little bit later on, on Monday, Monday afternoon, I was uh, working on my motorcycle, and uh, it was an old motorcycle, and the tank was was half full of old stale gasoline, so I poured a bunch of fuel injector cleaner in it and some stable chemical to help the gas uh, clean out the carburetor as it went through there. And... uh, the float valve stuck in one of the carburetors that I just recently cleaned out. And so it began to fill up the carburetor and then filled up the cylinder head of of one of the pistons. And uh, I took the spark plug out because I I had an idea that that happened when it started to leak. And I was going to turn the engine over so it would get the fumes out, a little bit of the extra gas. And as soon as I did pushed the button, and it shot a high-volume, high-velocity stream of fuel-injector-cleaner-rich gasoline right onto my leg and ricocheted off straight into my eyes. I tripped over half a dozen things, trying to get to the house without being able to see, thrust my head under the the shower head, and turned on a uh, high-velocity blast of cold water and forced my eyes open. After about 15 minutes, though, I realized I hadn't gone blind. I just knew that when it was in my eyes there was a reason that I had that dream and I shouldn't have been working on my motorcycle. Uh, but, you know, I think God solidified a message to me. A message that I'm to carry on to you. And that is... Live by faith, not by sight. And just so I didn't forget it, I had the smell of stale gas mixed with fuel injector cleaner stuck under my fingernails and in my beard and my hair and my stocking cap and my coat and everything that I had that week. And every day of this week I've had that smell and I can't seem to get away from it. So here it is. I didn't really know how it would fit into this sermon until just this morning, though. I've been trying to figure out uh, in this series, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, you know, how we can learn from these people in this chapter. And the more I looked for ways that they could teach us how to have faith, how to have faith, the more dead ends I ran into. I came to realize that this chapter of people who lived by faith has more to do with what God has done in their lives than it does with them being our example. I wanted to take these people out of this chapter and put them on a podium and be just like them. They lived by faith, and so I will live like them by faith. But that doesn't work perfectly, because the individual stories, these people that we can see, are just as flawed as we are. I had hoped for easy-to-see faith, but it turns out as verse 1 of hebrews chapter 11 faith shows the reality of what we hope for it is the evidence of things we cannot see so now we are learning to trust god by faith through how god works in hebrews 11 through how he works in the lives of these people The past two weeks we've talked about Abraham and Sarah. You know, by faith they received the promise who was their son Isaac And as the first of their many descendants through whom all the families of the world would be blessed. Genesis chapter 12 verse 3 is the promise. Uh, He says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This blessing, the ultimate blessing, because uh, there's many blessings, we know. We we could be blessed by land, and and, and he is blessed by land, and by uh, descendants, and by uh, material wealth, livestock and, and food. But the ultimate blessing here is the promise of the Messiah. It's pointing... To Jesus, Paul explains this. Uh, it explains it this way in Galatians chapter three, verse sixteen. It Says God gave the promises to Abraham, his chi- and his child. And notice that the Scripture doesn't say to his child, his children, as it is meant, uh, as is, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. That, of course, means Christ. This blessing, this ultimate blessing, we are going to dig into the story of Isaac today. Passing on the blessing to his son Jacob. From Hebrews chapter 11 verse 20. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future, of, for the future to his sons Jacob and Esau. Well, people are complicated. I don't have to tell any of you guys that. God chooses to teach us about who He is and about who we are through the stories of these people's lives. These stories can be hard to understand when we look at them as individual stories. But when we view the Bible as one complete story... It all comes together and makes sense. We can see this in terms of of upper story and uh, lower story. Like the lower story, if we were to use this terminology, refers to each one of our individual lives taking up space on a timeline. Lower stories. Our individual stories. Uh, Combine all of these individual stories. All of our stories and all of the stories of the the folks that we read about in our Scripture. Combine them all with God and His plan and the way He views it outside of time. And we get upper story. Lower story versus upper story. Upper story is God, us, and the whole Bible. Now, concerning these uh, stories that we read and the lower stories, I want you to... Uh, look at First Corinthians chapter ten verse eleven it says these things happened to them as examples for us. they were written down to warn us who live at the end of this age and Romans chapter fifteen verse four uh, puts it this way: such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be filled. They give us hope and encouragement. Oh, and by the way, we must wait patiently, but God's promises will be fulfilled. God is able to teach us about who He is and who we are through the examples we read about in Scripture. We can look for principles and connections which ultimately point to our need for a Savior. Who we know is Jesus. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau, uh, you might be feeling like, boy, it's, it's not right that Jacob deceived his father and cheated his brother out of the blessing. But the principle we will discover is this. It's not right that sinners like us get to stand before a holy God and be considered righteous. It's purely undeserved grace. Abraham is an example that shows us that we can't, cannot obtain the promise through our flesh. We are physically incapable of creating our salvation. It was biologically impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have a baby. Only by the miraculous hand of God was Isaac conceived and born. If you're taking notes today, we can simply put it this way. It was by faith, not by flesh. By faith, not by flesh. Now I'm going to tell you uh, the story of Jacob and Esau. And we'll make some connections to God's upper story of redemption and salvation. Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 4. One day, when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son, yes, father, Esau replied, I am now an old man. Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. And then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. So let me point out something right here. Isaac plans to pronounce the blessing Based on entitlement. Uh, Oldest son. Here we have his oldest son. He's entitled to things. And Isaac is ready to uh, give this blessing to his oldest son. Here's a question. Does the blessing really belong to Esau? Is it really his blessing? Let's backtrack for a minute. When Rebekah was pregnant with the twins, Isaac and Jacob, Esau and Jacob, sorry, she could feel them struggle inside of her. Scripture says that they wrestled inside of her. At this point, she probably didn't know that there were two of the little ones, probably didn't know she had twins. Um, Just that something crazy was going on inside of her. Now, this is a good side note for us. Uh, Something was going on inside of her, and there were two little people inside of mama. And uh, also we see in Scripture, the Holy Spirit Spirit bestowed upon uh, John the Baptist inside of his mama. We have a little people life starts... Uh, before a child is born. We have very real living people inside of the mom. So here we have uh, two fellas, and whatever she felt uh, was uncomfortable enough evidently to ask God about it. He said, he told her, there were two nations wrestling inside of her. Two nations. She you probably like, Well, that explains it. Two nations inside of me wrestling. And that these two nations were represented by the boys that she would have. Now, I suppose if you were to ask a woman who has had twins, she would probably tell you that the struggle is real. It almost seems like Esau and Jacob knew that the one who made it out first, or the firstborn, would be the one who would get all the privileges, all the blessings. We read the rest of the story and realize one of them was a roughneck. And the other one, he wouldn't be beaten even if he had to cheat. Now the roughneck, he wins this round. When he came out, and you could tell that he had been fighting hard. And maybe even he was fighting in anger. This roughneck, because uh, the scripture says he was red. Now, uh, we don't only have a redneck or a roughneck here, but a redneck. <clears throat> he already had hair on his chest, and probably a mullet to boot. Maybe not exactly, but. Genesis chapter 25, verse 25 says, The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. He was a struggler and he was a fighting and he wanted to be the first one out. So that he, he could get that blessing, we could assume. Esau had won this first round. But the fight wasn't over. Now, you ever get uh, caught up in bailing twine? I know I'm probably not speaking um, to a congregation who is uh, who, who doesn't know what I'm talking about because all of you guys probably have... Have been around hay bales and, and feeding cattle, and so sometimes when I, when I feed my cattle, um, I have forks on my tractor so that there's no time when I can easily get the baling twine off. It's always stuck in between the forks, or when I set it on the ground, it's stuck in between the ground and my hay bale, and so I'll I'll cut it off, and then I'll be I'll try to wrap it around like this, but eventually I get to wrapping it around myself because I got to pull it underneath the hay bale, and it's froze, and so I'm wrapping it around and pulling it. And I'll, I'll get all twisted up in that stuff, and sometimes I wear these boots that got the hooks on them, you know, that you lace it up, and then you twist them around, you hook, and you back, you know, these kind of boots. And so inevitably, I'll get everything done. I think I'm ready to go, and I'll go to walk off, and a piece of baling twine is hooked one of them hooks, and it's still underneath the hay bale or tied to the bale ring, and it'll trip me up, and I'll fall in a big old pile of cow manure. Uh and This happens to me and uh, one time uh, another story I was uh, wrestling a calf that it was time to to fix it to put a band on it and uh, it's a family event when that happens because people get worked up when they're working cattle and and it's safer to have as many people as you can and so I was uh, trying to bulldog the cattle and my mama was there trying to to, uh, jump on the calf and and my dad had a lariat and he was going to heal the calf and boy he healed something but it turned out to be me and so he's pulling on me And I'm pulling on the cattle, and I'm getting pulled two directions at once. Uh, Man, ever get caught up like that? Something pulling on you. You can't do what you need to do very easily like that. Well, it turns out, I'm not the only redneck that that kind of thing happens to. Esau was hung up. Genesis chapter 25, verse 26. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Jacob. Romans chapter 9, verse 6 through 12. Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No, for not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children, for the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Through Abraham, though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. For God had promised, I will return about this time next year. And Sarah will have a son. This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he married Rebekah, she gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. She was told, Your older son... Will serve your younger son, Jacob and Esau provide an example that shows us that we cannot obtain promise through works or an entitlement entitlement today we we may struggle with entitlement well I'm a good person i I deserve to go to heaven um you know who I am this is the who I am, and this is what I deserve. I'm entitled to that. And it trips us up. Uh, maybe tradition. Um, we can't receive the promise through tradition. Thank your your parents, man. They they went to church. My grandparents went to church all their life. And, and I'll be able to get to heaven through them just because of what they do in the life they live. Uh, maybe it's cultural norms. Sure is in this case, firstborn. Uh, you know, nowadays cultural norms say, Boy, there's many paths that can lead to uh a good place, a heaven, many paths is is what is culturally normal now. Choose your own path and, and that'll be fine. But that's not true. God wants us to know unequivocally that the promise rests solely upon His sovereign power and His faithfulness to fulfill His word. Let me read that again. The promise rests solely upon His sovereign power and His faithfulness to fulfill His word. Uh, In short, His way, not your way. His way, not our way. Now remember, we are looking for how he is pointing us to the upper story, the Savior. Picking this story back up with uh, with Esau um, going out to hunt, uh, you kind of have, to, if you're an outdoorsman, a redneck, you kind of have to love Esau. He's he's a hunter, and um, uh, he goes out to hunt because his his father wants him to, and his father loves his. His stew that he makes out of wild game. And, but Rebecca intervenes at this point. Isaac's wife, she wants her son, Jacob, who is apparently a little bit of a mama's boy. She wants him to receive this blessing. You know, sometimes in Scripture we see the women wanting to help God out their own way. We talked about that last time um, with Sarah. And uh, it never goes as well as they probably think it should go. In this case, um, Rebecca tells tells Jacob, "Here's what I need you to do: um, go uh, go get some goats, and I'll, I'll whip up a batch of stew that'll uh, be just like what Esau would would bring to his father." And and then she took the hair, the hide off of the goats, and they they. She put it on Joseph's uh, arms, uh, Jacob's arms. Sorry, uh, so that he would fill hairy like his brother Esau. Um, I don't know how that ever worked, but uh, evidently it it, it did. And uh, Jacob agrees to deceive his father to steal this blessing, and um, it works out. Genesis chapter twenty-seven verse twenty eight and twenty nine uh, his father bestows on him this blessing, it says, "From the dew of heaven and the riches of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. may you be their master. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you." Uh, will be blessed, and again, we're tempted to cry out, "Not fair! This is not fair!" I mean, the the rascal, Jacob, uh, put goat hair on and and fed goat soup to his father and got the blessing. That's all he had to do. I want to read you a verse, Romans chapter nine, thirteen. How does this verse? hit you. In the words of the scriptures, I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. God says, I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. Now, I, I don't like that verse. We we know that the the scripture is the word of God, and it is, is all good and useful, but there are just some that don't, really sit well and this has always been one of them now to understand this though we've got to step back again and refocus on the upper story lesson that god provides us in this example the upper story example now remember the struggle that esau and jacob had in rebecca's womb when they were wrestling around inside of her. Let's take the perspective for a moment that Jacob and Esau represent the struggle in between our flesh and our spirit. God hates sin, but he loves sinners. God is against our flesh nature, but blesses the poor in spirit. He opposes, he rejects the proud, but is found by those who seek him. We see in Esau desires of the flesh. He marries Canaanite women when he gets older. um, And he craves instant gratification and immediate satisfaction. I mean, nothing inherently wrong with the Canaanite women, except for they were known to be pagans he wants immediate satisfaction trade uh, his birthright or his blessing for a bowl of stew this is shown by how that he is just able to trade his birthright just as quick as can be not even concerned about it at all is a trait of an unbeliever Who doesn't have faith in God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 through 23 a scripture that you guys uh, probably know well we read it when we are worried about something and Jesus teaches us this he says uh, why do you worry don't worry about everyday life and don't worry about the food that you will eat or what you will drink or the clothes that you wear look at the birds Uh, they're not worrying yet God takes care of them and Jesus says, uh, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies in the field and how they grow. Um, and the, the wildflowers are here today and gone tomorrow, but He will certainly take care of you. Why do you have so little faith, Jesus says, when you worry? Verse 31 says, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink for these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Esau was dominated by the thoughts of his instant uh, needs and his, his feelings that he felt like uh, what he had to have. Jacob, on the other hand, gives us a glimpse of faith, not in necessarily who Jacob is, but his story that we're able to read. and a glimpse of faith. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter three verse 11 tells us that God has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. So there it is. It's planted in the human heart. Jacob grasps, it would seem, the gravity of birthright and blessing. He puts his hope in the blessing and the weight it carries for the future. He's seeking the kingdom of God while going about it in, unfortunately, the wrong way. So consider this struggle and animosity between Jacob and Esau. Uh, Consider it like, like a war that takes place inside of each one of us. Galatians uh, chapter 5 verse 17 says this sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants and the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions the struggle inside of us is real We cannot deny it and we feel it uh, often and sometimes it will get the best of us. We are born with a sinful nature while having eternity still in our hearts because it has been placed there. We have an instinct for self-preservation and a longing for something beyond ourselves. We have a desire for our needs to be met, but our deepest need is to be reconciled with our Creator. It seems to be a hopeless situation, an unwinnable war. We are faced with the fact that we don't deserve salvation, and we can't earn our salvation. And Sometimes we become so desperate that we think we can trick God. But you cannot deceive God into giving you salvation. There is no disguise that you can hide your sin under that He does not, deceive, or that He does not see. In short, drop the disguise. You can't hide your sin. The only thing that works to get rid of it is the life-giving blood of Jesus. Our only hope is in the promise that God has given us. He said he would send the Messiah, the promised one, to do for us what we can't do ourselves, to obtain righteousness so that we may be in relationship with our holy God. We must be born, reborn through faith in Jesus in order to inherit this blessing, the blessing that was promised to Abraham and his descendants so long ago. Galatians chapter three, verse six through nine says in the same way Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. And what's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in the sight in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Remember the blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob? Can we really say that Isaac gave that blessing to Jacob by faith? Uh, Isaac thought he was blessing Esau. I want you to look closely at this blessing. Genesis chapter 27, verse 28. This is the blessing that Isaac thought he was giving to Esau. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain, a bountiful new wine, and many nations, may many nations become your servants may they bow down before you may you be the master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you all who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed this blessing follows in line with Esau's character of concern with material wealth uh, prosperity and power only only the last line uh, speaks of blessing those who bless him and cursing those who curse him from god's original promise to abraham and even even that line is given out of or and even that is given out of a selfish interest god blessed abraham for abraham to be a blessing to others though God repeated his promise to Isaac again in Genesis chapter 26, verse 2 through 4. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands... And through your descendants, all nations on the earth will be blessed. All nations uh, through your descendants will be blessed. Blessed so that the promise would continue to all nations of the earth. The blessing that Jacob tricked Isaac into giving was not the blessing that God intended to be passed down through the descendants of Abraham to bless all the families of the earth. The blessing that Hebrews 11 uh, says refers to what is found in Genesis chapter 28, verses 3 through 4, which is this. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children. And may your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham. May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. This is the blessing and the promise that we inherit as Abraham's children by faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing that he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And it's the Holy Spirit uh, given to us through the promises that actually allows us to overcome the struggle with our flesh, with our sinful nature, thereby giving us a new name, much like Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Through the Holy Spirit, we are adopted into God's family and known as, by faith, Bob, or by faith, less, or by faith, put your name there. And because of this, we receive much better inheritance than money or power. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-4 through four says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. Don't forget that you are too blessed to be a blessing. You are so blessed. God intends for you to continue sharing his upper story of salvation and eternal blessing through your lower story, as messed up and as complicated as it may be. In short, you are blessed to be a blessing. This is why. And God gives us all of these stories, all to add them up into one upper story, a story that leads to salvation, salvation of you and I if we put our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. And we are blessed that way so that we can also be a blessing to others. Uh, My encouragement to you today is to, number one, accept that blessing, and number two, don't hold that blessing in. Use it to bless others. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the blessings you bestowed upon Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob. And though these stories don't always make so much sense, if we put them all together and, and just, just study your word and realize the whole purpose of this upper story is that our sins can only be gotten rid of in one way blood of your son and you did it that way so that you could be with us in heaven in eternity Lord we praise you for that